It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Lucita and Robert. It's January 25th, 2014. Wow. 2015. Oh, my gosh. And we're broadcasting live from Seattle, Washington. I'm Lucita, and my esteemed co-host and brother in the martial arts is Sifu Robert Deal. Wow, Bob, I, you know, I, I've always told people it's going to take me like two months before I get used to saying the name of a new year. And Well, there we go. <laughs> there you go. You bet. Oh, my gosh. Well, oh, good dude, evening, it everybody. Been, it has been so hot down here. It was in the 80s yesterday. It was in the 80s today. It's been yeah. really hot for January. My, now, let me tell my daughter and I had a wonderful time yesterday. We don't get that much da- father-daughter stuff going because, you know, she's 16. She hates me. You know, you know how it is. You remember. Right. And we went to the Magic Castle, uh, which is a very nice place, but very expensive. I mean, ultra expensive. But it's but worth it, I thought. <laughs> it was. I mean, you took, got a personal tour of the place when you were down here a year and a half ago. <laughs> And, that was really nice. Uh, uh, we just had a great time. It didn't cost us anything to get in. The tickets are usually 40 bucks because a friend of mine was performing at the time. We were their guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never in my life paid $13 for valet parking. Wow. $13. And I paid $9 for a beer. <laughs> you might as well just be at a football game. <laughs> Exactly. We went out and had some Thai food, uh, went, and went, went to Barnes and Noble. We had a great day. We, we just don't get out that often. And wow. it, it was, there is a uh, commercial, which I love. We talked, we laughed. It was a, it was a wonderful day. Uh, now she actually asked you to have like a, a, a day out with you. And she's, wow, that's awesome because she, oh, that's, wow. she's a teenager. Amazing. <laughs> well, what have you been drinking? Do you really think she asked to go out with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, she could have went, hey, Dad, we don't do anything, you know. Um, and she, so and I don't she's know. happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's a she likes that part. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a commercial out right now. You probably don't know this, but men's razor blades are really expensive. 
They're ultra expensive. No, I, I mean, like yeah, twenty I, twenty five I bucks for three for three blades, right? Well, there's a commercial hey. out because now there's. <laughs> hey, what? Hey. It's crazy. Well, there's a commercial out where they have a there, there's a company out there doing mail order razor blades. Uh huh. And the guy goes up to this counter and and and, and puts the razor blades on the counter, and the, the guy behind it says that'll be nineteen dollars and some odd cents. And he says, really? He says, yeah, but it comes with a free gift. This, <laughs> he grabs his gift right in front of him, pull, pulls the gift up off the counter, a trap door, door open right at it, right right in front of him, and uh-huh. his boxing glove c- comes out and punches him right in the groin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the gift is? Oh, I get it. <laughs> that, was, that was the gift. You, you just got screwed, and you got punched in the in the in the nest. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I just want to remind our listeners of our call-in phone number 3476770699. Um keep tuned in because at around 6:30 or so, we're going to have Grandmaster Bram of Modern Arnis joining us a little bit later to speak with us and talk a little bit about his training. Uh, talk a, a little bit about his knives because he's a knife designer. So don't go away, folks. Stay tuned. So because uh, again, we're going to have a great martial artist joining us at, at the the uh, half of the hour. All right, let's move on. So what what other stuff's going on over there, bud? Uh, nothing. Just just uh, just chilling right now. You know, we've got some some events coming. This is the first week in like seven weeks I haven't had a martial event. No tournament, no no events at the museum, no grand openings, no movies, nothing this week. Out of okay. seven weeks, I'm like, oh, my my wife and my wife is glad. I don't have anything until like March when I go to oh, Bob wow. White's tournament. <clears throat> yeah, right. It's nice. Right. Well, let's see. Let's uh, let's see if I've got any announcements here. Well, actually, before we do announcements, let's go into birthdays. Um, I'll start because I've got some friends with birthdays. Um, I'd like to wish a happy birthday to Grandmaster Daryl Sargent and Richard Gilland. Their birthday is today, as a matter of fact. Um, I want to send a shout-out and a happy birthday to Lauren Wickline of Midwest Whips. She's a skilled whip maker. Um, Her birthday is tomorrow, the 26th. Um, Another birthday shout-out to a former student of mine, Avon Hines. Um, and Hai Trung, um, they, their birthdays are on the 28th. And on the 31st, I want to send a birthday shout-out to Brian. I, you know, Brian, I don't know if it's Lucci or Luce. So I'm just going to say Luce, L-U-C-E. Brian Luce, his birthday's on the 31st. Another shout-out to Jackie Schwendeman, whose birthday is also on the 31st. Also on the 31st is Mr. Steve Kaliski of 21st Century Whips. And that's it very for mine. Cool. And I have a few. Well, uh, I want to wish a very happy birthday to uh, Mahaguru Clifford Stewart. His birthday is today. Uh, Grandmaster Ron Van Cleef. His birthday is also today. Uh, Gordon Teague. His birthday is on the 28th. Venus Kefu. Uh, lovely lady you met, I believe. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You met her in 29 yep. Palms. She was one of Craig Carter's students. Uh, my beautiful wife, her birthday is on the 31st. 
Uh, my buddy Ed Monson that I have actually known since I was, we met in kindergarten. That means we've known each other for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. God, that sounded horrible. When I spit that out, it sounded just wrong. I just admitted how old I was because you can figure out you start kindergarten at five and we've known each other 45 years. Guess what? Mm-hmm. That makes me 50. Yeah. And I've got one more esteemed ambassador to the Mazarus Hall of Fame, Carlos de Leon. His birthday is also on the 31st. Oh, right on. So for everyone um, having a birthday during the week of the 25th through the, when is that? The 31st? Oh, my goodness. It's like the 31st already. I can't can't believe it. Um, For everyone having a birthday, this tune is for you. This month has gone by so fast, and I still can't say 2015. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's move to our announcements of the week. Um, let's start with you, Bob. What announcements do you have for us? Well, we are starting the process for the Masters Hall of Fame 2015. We're starting the nomination process, which is going amazing right now. Uh, we, we've got a few people going. We're only allowing 50 this year to, yeah. because it's a smaller venue. It's at the world-famous Roosevelt Hotel uh, in so the cool. heart of Hollywood. It is so cool. This is one of those hotels that they claim is actually haunted. Ooh, That's one of the biggest claim to fame. So this is going to be great. Uh, Michael Matsuda, the president and, and curator of the Martial Arts History Museum is going to be the keynote speaker, and we're going to have a good friend of mine, uh, T.J. Storm. He's going to be the MC for uh, for the event. And uh, nice thing is, you and I don't have to get a hotel this year. I keep bragging to people: we don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, the event don't... is ten minutes from here. That's so cool. That is that very is so cool. cool. That that is that that is. It's like boop, we don't have to worry about about paying for a hotel, nothing. It's yeah, it's straight up. You know, after the event, go and get into Grubby's, and there you go. <laughs> That's it, man. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, I've got um, an, an announcement for um, things that we're uh, going to be looking for too. 
Um, I am a member of the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists. I'm actually on the board of directors. And for this year's annual training camp, we are, again, looking for women instructors to be teaching at our camp. And uh, this year's camp is going to be held on August 14th through the 17th at the YMCA Camp Campbell, and that's in Boulder Creek, California. Now, where where's Boulder Creek in relation to you guys? Is it like NoCal? I have no idea. I think it's NoCal. Mm. That makes sense. <coughs> yeah, because okay. you guys never make it down this far. Yeah, you, well, you know, we we actually thought about it, but then like a lot of a lot of people, you know, were like, eh, you know, it's Southern California, and I'm like, I I'd love to have it in Southern California. It'd be great. Um, we I guess you know we'll, we'll have to figure out what we're gonna do next year because next year the we're gonna have the tri organization camp, which is where the Association of Women's Martial Arts Instructors and the uh, um, National Women's Martial Arts Federation and PAMA are going to do a combined camp. So that's going to be hundreds and hundreds of women. Um and that's going to be uh, that's going to be crazy. Um l- well let's see. Let me back up just a little bit here cuz I'm our guest is having a little bit of trouble connecting to our show. So let me write him a quick no, message. He's on the chat board. What's that? He's on the chat. Well, I know he's on chat, but he's uh, he's actually on his Facebook chat now, that kind of thing. Oh, got it. Um, let's see. It said download Skype. It brought me to my account. Um, okay, let me say something, see something here. Keep. So, folks, if you – I'm going to explain this. If you use Skype to contact us, if you hit the little blue button at the top of the, at the, top of the show marquee, um, it'll probably ask you, you know, are, are – you know, we – we see that you don't have Skype installed. If you do have it installed, um, hit this button. You hit the button, and then it'll probably pop up another window that says launch application. Um, and if that doesn't work, keep Skype open in another window and hitting the blue button again. And that's what I'm going to try telling um, Bram. Keep Skype open in a window. Um and then go back and hit the Skype button. That might work. <clears throat> so yeah, at least he's at least he's on his account. So that's good. Because yeah, uh, and I just looked up Boulder Creek, and Boulder Creek is by Santa Cruz, which is way up north. Oh, okay, okay. So North Northern California, Boulder Creek, California. Sorry about that, folks. But let me let me start over again. The Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists is having their annual training camp in Boulder Creek, California, August 14th through 17th. Um, and this is one of, uh, one of the few camps in the United States that are planned by women for women exclusively. So sorry, guys, no men allowed at the camps. <laughs> um, and uh, we're looking for women instructors to apply to teach. There is a small stipend, and meals and boarding is included in your um in your uh attendance um if you agree to teach and are picked now again this is a uh um a, a selective set of instructors meaning that you can apply but it's up to the teacher selection committee to select all of the classes so you can apply 
to be an instructor at the Pacific Association of Women Martial Arts Camp by going to www.pawma.org. That's pama.org. And I suggest that any woman martial arts instructor try to apply. All right. So there's that. And let me uh, see what Bram has to say here. Um Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Apparently, he's getting an error 302 when he's uh, trying to uh, use Skype. Um, and he's trying to call my Skype, but it's not going to work. Um, so I have to say this to him. If you call my Skype, it won't connect to my studio. So you'll have to call 347-677-0699, our studio number. Sorry, Bram. (laughs) Technology, ain't it grand? So... <laughs> Ain't it grand? Now, the um, um, also, folks. Uh, before we get into other uh, other announcements, um, you can use Skype um, on your phone as well. So you just go to the show link in your mobile browser, um, and it'll still show you the the blue Skype button. Hit it, and it'll you know do whatever it needs to do to take you over to Skype, and uh, pretty much agree to everything. Agree for it to use your microphone. Um, and your headset and video, if need be, uh, agree to launch the application, agree to do this and do that. But, you know, please make sure that Skype is actually signed in for it to work. And it should. And it should work. Um, so, yeah, hopefully. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, I don't see that Master Bram is on our studio board yet, so he's probably trying to figure that out. All right. So the new catalog from Sidekick Publications. And uh, that's the uh, publishing company owned by Sheehan, Alan Woodman. Uh, the new catalog is out. It just uh, just came out, so don't don't miss out on that catalog. Just go to sidekickpublication.com, and uh, you can go ahead and uh, check out the catalog. Now, that link is, is on our Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. Uh, now, speaking of Sheehan, Alan Woodman, He's going to um he is offering Hojo Jitsu seminars in the Southern California area. Now that's primarily LA, San Diego, Riverside, San Bernardino, etc. Now the seminars include several hours of hands-on training in Hojo Jitsu, a book and DVD set and seminar certification to easily include into your own martial arts program. Now for those of you that don't know what Hojo Jitsu is, it's the art of using the cord, cord binding, the ancient samurai art of uh using um using cord or your sageo, the cord on your um a uh, samurai sword to uh, apprehend an opponent. So pretty cool. I, anything that has to deal with knots, I love it. All right. <clears throat> now uh, I just got another message from Master Frank. Yeah, let's see here. Calm. Okay, he's gonna try. Um, he's gonna try connecting via his laptop. So maybe he was on his mobile phone. So sorry about the technical difficulties, everybody, but uh, 
All right. That that's uh that, that's it for the announcements unless you have any. Nope. No. Oh, okay, well let's move on to health news. All right. Now a new study suggests that beetroot juice may reduce high blood pressure. Beetroot juice. Pretty wild. Huh? Have you ever had beet juice before? Uh no, but every time I hang out with you, if if I want my blood pressure lowered, good luck. <laughs> Okay, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> now previous studies have linked pl- have linked eating plenty of vegetables with reduced blood pressure. Now, a new study conducted at Queen Mary University of London in the United Kingdom, and uh, also published in the journal Hyper, concludes that drinking one glass of beet root juice a day can significantly, I can't even say the word anymore, can significantly reduce blood pressure in patients with high blood pressure. Now, it says beetroot juice. I mean, but isn't the beet itself the root? So beet juice, it's just beet juice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the root. Yeah. So in this study, using a double-blind placebo-controlled trial in dozens of patients, researchers randomly assigned 68 patients with hypertension, with hypertension to receive daily dietary supplementation for four weeks with either daily beet juice or a placebo. Along with other leafy vegetables such as lettuce and cabbage, beets contain high levels of inorganic nitrate. Now, inorganic nitrate converts to nitric oxide, which relaxes and dilates the blood pressure, uh, blood vessels. And that's something I did not know. That's interesting. Now, of the, all of the – yeah, I know. Isn't that cool? Out of all the participants, half were taking blood pressure medication but were not reaching their blood pressure goals. And the other half had been diagnosed with hypertension but were not yet taking medication for their condition. The participants in the beet juice group received 250 milliliters, or approximately 8.5 ounces, of the juice daily. The researchers monitored the participants for two weeks before and after the study, in addition to the four trial weeks, bringing the study to a total of eight weeks. Now, during the course of this, participants in the beet juice group experienced a reduction of blood pressure of eight, um, eight-fourths MMHG. I don't know what MMHG is. But anyway, now for many participants, that reduction brought their blood pressure back into the normal range. Furthermore, when participants in the beet juice group stopped drinking the juice during the last two weeks of the study, their blood pressure returned to its previous high levels. Hmm. The present study is the first to show evidence of a long-lasting reduction in blood pressure due to dietary nitrate supplementation in a group of patients with high blood pressure. So I'm sure there's going to be more study being done on this, but you can read more at the link that I'll be posting on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page during our break. So, oh, got yeah. something real quick, Rusty. What's that? Ne- next time you're down here, when when... Mm-hmm. You, I, and, and my wife go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. I just invented this new drinking game. What's Every that? time I say something, and now we're going to have to take a designated driver with us because this is going to happen a lot. I'm just warning you. Every okay. time I say something that causes my wife to shoot me a dirty look, uh huh, we got to drink. <laughs> it it just gets a rim shot because it is funny. And that we'd end up being like really, really lit in the course of like an <laughs> <Yeah>. evening. 
<laughs> we, we, yeah, that would cause us to get really lit every time I said something stupid. She'd give me that look, and we'd have to take a shot. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we order a bunch of shots and down them for no reason, and then she shoots you a dirty look, and then, oh, we got to drink again. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, it's lucky I don't have a shot in front of me because there went one now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that would be a weird, weird drinking game. But speaking of weird... Let's move on to Weird News. All right, what do we got for weird news there, buddy? This comes out of Rochester, New Hampshire. A New Hampshire woman got a surprise at a Burger King drive-thru. A bag full of cash instead of food. Janelle Jones says she discovered on the way home that the bag did not contain the sweet tea and junior spicy chicken sandwich that she had ordered Friday at the Rochester Friend fast food restaurant. Foster's Daily Democrat reports that Jones called her husband and they decided to return the $2,631, which was the Burger King bank deposit. Wow. Amazing. Matthew Jones says the couple briefly considered keeping the money, which they certainly could have used. But he says... He and his wife are Jehovah's Witnesses, and that Jehovah sees everything. Oh, so they're honest. They're honest Burger King clients. <laughs> can you imagine, though? I mean, you, you, can you imagine what goes through your mind when you find that kind of money just inside your to-go order, and you could go, I could just keep this. You know and they'll what I mean? never know. And they'll they, never, they well, I mean, they would. Card. They don't have my, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they would know, but they wouldn't know where it went. Because, you know, in any drive through you know, or to or, or restaurant, for that matter, that does to-go, you know, in the span of 10 minutes, you could have, like, you know, five $600 go out the door. You know what I mean? In just in sales. So that many people can come in, depending, right? And you could, you know, you could... Yeah, they would never know. I mean, you know, in defense of the Burger King people, you know, when I worked as management, I mean, I've done some stupid stuff, too. Like, I've misplaced deposits, like, in my trunk, and then I freak out, and then I find it before I call the office. Or or one time, I, ac- I accidentally rewrote a deposit because more money came in, but I, re- uh, but I didn't reflect it in the books. So when the office, the main office, got the the paperwork, they were like, "Why are we missing 800 bucks?" And I was like, "What are you talking about? I made the deposit, and I just forgot that I redid the deposit, right?" <laughs> and people were like, "We know we're gonna take this out of your paycheck." <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so anyway, so yeah. <laughs> But that that certainly is weird news. <laughs> it, yes, it, it is. It could have been fortunate news. But with that said, let's move on to your entertainment news. Now, everybody remembers Richard Simmons. Well, anybody at least of any age, uh, probably 30 and up. He was a fitness guru from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, well... Richard Simmons, which lives by me in the Hollywood Hills, probably a few miles from me, had business Mm -hmm. on Friday night. Cops were doing a welfare check because he's been missing in action for more than a year. And guess what? He's fine. Yeah, no, but no, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't like 
go out in public and display himself, and he's just nobody's seen him. Huh? So, so he's law just been enforcement like a sources, hermit. Yeah, exactly. He, oh, okay. he probably made so much money over the years. He probably has people that do all his stuff for him: shopping, oh, cooking, cleaning, right. whatever. Law enforcement sources told TMZ two LAPD officers showed up to Simmons Hollywood Hills home at 7 p.m. Richard answered the door and showed them in. The cops had feedback where he, he, he couldn't have been nicer and more gracious. They say he was articulate, lucid, relaxed, and appreciative of their concerns. Law enforcement sources tell TMZ the visit was triggered by a longtime friend of Simmons who sent an email to the L.A. County DA's Elder Abuse Unit last month and he said he believed the 66-year-old fitness guru was being abused. TMZ wow. broke, the, broke the story. Simmons went went radio silent about a year ago. He, was, he hadn't spoken to, to his friends, gone to his fitness studio, or been seen in public. His friends hmm. say there is no way Richard would shut himself off this way. His manager says Simmons is simply depressed over a knee injury. But we've learned the two cops who spent an hour with Richard say he seemed genuinely happy. Simmons, who now has a beard, told them he was exhausted after spending 30 years in the public eye. He said, I just want to spend some time with myself. Although he says he's in regular touch with the people in his life who matter to him. He was alone in his house Friday when the cops were there. Simmons was walking with a silent, uh, with a slight limp, which is consistent with a knee injury. As for hmm. why he hasn't been to his fitness studio for the better part of last year, he said, mm-hmm. I've got people who run, like I just said, I've got people who run things. Right. I don't need to be there until he disappeared he was a fixture at the studio. Wow. And there you have it. Richard Simmons is live and well. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, I you know that he wasn't being heard of. I thought he was still, you know, doing his thing and, you know, not being a hermit. <laughs> that kind of thing. But, yeah, I guess, yeah, like, I guess now we know that he's doing okay. Now we know. That, uh, you bet. Yeah, right on. All right, folks, let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And uh, while we're taking a break, me and Sifu Bob are going to try to figure out what's going on with the technical difficulties with uh, uh, Master Bram's uh, Skype connection because it's not pulling through. So anyway, uh, just keep tuned in, folks, because we hope to have Master Bram Frank of Modern Arnese joining us. We'll be right back after this. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories? One in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling calling us swear words and like throwing stuff at us. 
he grabbed my jacket just to get in line first. And he was running after me, and then he grabbed me by the hood, and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything. He called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it like hurts people's feelings and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Stop. Stop bullying. This is not cool. Hi, folks. This is Ristita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I just want to send a shout-out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now, Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Duke's, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now, Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, if somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of The Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes. So what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo show with Restina and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Ristita and Robert. It's January 25th, and we're broadcasting live from Seattle, Washington. All right, yeah, I what think year we... is it? it's 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know that—that that makes me wonder too, Bob. The the last few checks that I wrote for bills, I wonder what I wonder what year I <laughs> I wrote on those checks. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> they know they'll send it back. They can't take it. <laughs> oh, oh man! Anyhow, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, folks. Our phone number here is three four seven. Six seven seven zero six nine nine. You can give us a call, or if you don't want to uh, call, you can use our chat board on our Blog Talk Radio show marquee. If you scroll a little bit under the show marquee, not not the marquee that you see on Facebook. So if you're seeing it on Facebook, don't, don't use that one. Actually, click the uh, click the link 
Um, and it'll take you to Blog Talk Radio and uh, to this particular show marquee. Scroll underneath the marquee and you'll find a chat board. And you can write all your questions there in the chat board. I'm monitoring it right now. And so is Sifu Bob, I think. So you can write all your questions yep. there. Our special guest is Master Bram Frank. And before we bring his mic on, I want to just uh, introduce uh, Master Master Bram here. Uh, Master Bram Frank is a first-generation personal student and disciple of the late Grandmaster Remy Presas, the father and founder of Modern Arnis. He was with Professor Presas from 1980 until his untimely demise in 2001. Bram has studied various fighting arts such as Wing Chun, Jeet Kune Do, American Freestyle Karate, and others for over 46 years and has taken the principles from each of these arts as they can be applied to the Filipino martial arts. So it is me and Sifu Robert's pleasure and honor to welcome Master Bram Frank to the show. Master Bram, how you doing this evening? Uh, good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. We can hear you oh just fine. Oh, my God, it works. For, you know, I was so scared it wasn't going to work. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, Skype can be a funny critter sometimes because um, it, I, I guess it all depends on, you know, a, a person's phone or their laptop or whatever. But, you know, I, I think I, I think the whole Skype thing needs to kind of redo itself. <laughs> but thank you for joining us uh, during your busy schedule. It's a We're pleasure. glad to have you on. It's my honor to be on. I'm glad you asked me. Um, I'm really, really honored. And... It's cool because I'm staring at my big screen, but I'm talking to you on my laptop because Skype on my computer wouldn't work. And I guess that's like go with the flow in martial arts, you know? That's Make right. It all work. That's, that's it. That's right. That's that's right. And uh, and uh, just, just a little tip for future Skype, you know, you might want to uh, update the late. You might well, you might want to download the latest version of Skype. Because, yeah, I got it. I oh, do you? Business. Yeah. Oh well, then it's it's it, being it, weird then. It's being weird, and I you know I have HD on my you know uh, computer on big screen, and it just I you have no idea. I don't panic teaching, and I was in utter panic as you know from our notes view. You know, yeah. like oh my god, I can't make it work because they kept telling me error, error. Yeah. And I just pulled <laughs> in. Of course, I turn. You know, you're joking about writing 2015 and or 2014, some 15. Yeah. This is one of those, like, turn on the laptop, and I, my computer crashed, and I was just teaching the Spets boys in Russia. I had to come home. I had them put in a whole oh, new no. hard drive. They reinstalled Windows for me. I turned on, and it goes, your trial version of Windows just ended. I'm like, trial? It came with Windows. What do you mean trial? So, you know, oh, wow. like, definitely go with the flow. I'm not winning this battle. I will win the war. Good thing I didn't need Windows to talk to you because the laptop <laughs> just died on that too. You know? Right? Yeah. Right? That's why I'm a win that's why I'm a, a I'm an Android kid. But <laughs> anyway. Oh so my goodness. Like, out there listening, you know, this is part this is what martial arts should teach you. In life right. take a deep breath go with the flow. It's not that's just about exactly how hard it. how you punch or kick can you apply it to life. Yep. That's exactly it. And, you know, uh, speaking of which, this is kind of off the subject, but it's, you, you know, uh, one time me and uh, Sifu Robert were talking about 
uh, what goes on behind the scenes during a show. And there's like <laughs> there's all sorts of crap that goes on behind the scenes. You know, we're texting each other. I've got like three three monitors in front of me right now and and right. like monitoring chat boards and this and that and the other and people are texting in and calling in and I'm like, Oh my God And this is what happens behind the scenes you know, to make this show happen. And um, yeah, and I just want to tell the listeners that me and Master Bram, we were on Facebook chat going, trying to figure out how to troubleshoot the Skype problem while I'm talking to Sifu Bob and trying to keep track yeah. of that conversation. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I was in utter pandemic. We were about, so you listen, so we were about to resort to normal telephones. Well, Android, yeah. but I suddenly, I was like, wait. My trusty laptop. <laughs> it nice works. Laptop. Yeah, hey, it works. It's got a bad hard yeah. drive. Windows disappeared, but nice laptop. And Skype is working. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. Because I, I was yeah. going to like freak and probably put my boom mic in another in another soup bowl. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny too. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened before we went on the air, folks. I yeah. forgot I was wearing a boom mic and was eating soup while trying to get the boards ready, and boom, I put my face into the bowl, and the boom mic went sploosh, and I was like, really? And I lifted my head up really quick, so now I've still got, like, beef and veggie soup all over the front of my shirt, and I'm like, oh, well, this, well, is, we this see. is awesome. Now, you told us, now we have that image. No one would have yeah. known behind the scenes that you have a bowl of soup on you. Yeah, I got a I got a bowl of soup on me, but we gotta go with the flow, and I'm just gonna smell like a deli for the rest of the show. <laughs> so, so listeners, our phone number here is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. We are talking with Master Bram Frank of Modern Adonis. So, uh, Grandmaster Bram, can we call you Bram? Master yeah, Frank, what do you want to call you? Yeah. Okay, no, that'd be Bram. cool. Yeah, you know, Bram is four letters. You know, when I go to teach, as you walk in and I look at people and go. They go, how should we address you? I go, Bram. You know, it works for my mom. It works for my friends. Respect is in how you say someone's name and how you treat them. It doesn't come from the the stripes on your belt, the color of your belt, any crazy titles they give you. And I really go nuts when off the floor. And I know a bunch of people do this. They want to be called by some martial arts title. And I'm like, are you nuts? Right, right. (laughs) I don't know how to respond to all the rest of it. Oh my goodness, Bob! It's too bad we didn't have Bram with us last last week because we were talking last week about people with the uh, fifteen syllable titles like Grandmaster Professor Soke Doctor Grand Puba, you know. And it's like, are you serious? Don't get me started. I'm going to be, you know, I really hate the people who have PhD after the name for martial arts. Oh my. You know, there's God, I know. University of Bridgeport is the only school with an accredited martial art program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Black Belt did write-ups on them, and my family, you know, fought there. It's right in the town I was in. You know, and I was working on a fellowship and a doctorate through them. They got the only program you could do it in. And I see all these people with writing PhDs, and I'm like, you are not a PhD. You are not right. a doctor of martial arts and you know I don't care if you have you know an honorary because that's the same thing you recognize everything you did you might as well have been in school or someone granted it and no 
certified body has ever done that. I know there's a bunch of us who always go nuts about it. That guy goes, you have to call me doctor. I'm like, no, my mom worked hard for that title. I tried to get UB to, you know, grant, you know, to get a doctorate from them because their program only goes up. They're just starting their master part. Yeah. All these people drives me nuts. It, I oh, me too. Super yeah. grand, ultimate grandmaster. You're a what? <laughs> super grand, you know. And it has, like, Ristita was talking about, it got the booba after it, you know, to make it yeah. extra. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's it's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. we wish you would have been with us last week because we, we went on a tangent. We went completely off topic and, and went went on a tangent about the grandmaster Pooba Dr. Soke Sabum, nim, whatever, pick a language, you know, yeah. and we were like, oh, my God, it's crazy. And, you know, and, and the people that, that get like that just to get seated in a restaurant, that was another thing that uh, that yeah. drove us yeah. completely, completely, yeah. We don't care well, if you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just ask them, where did you park? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Two doctors can park wherever the hell they want. Yeah. Hey, I so I cannot say what the guy does, but let's just say he's in OGA, and he literally, like when we were in New York and I was teaching these guys, they park wherever they want. And the New York Marathon was on, and we uh, we were just coming out from where we taught, which again I won't say mm-hmm. where it was. But as we came out, the you know the regular police came to us, and he's trying to drive straight across the road to where the New York Marathon is. They wave him down. He rolls wow. down all these black windows, looks at them, holds up an ID. They all freak out, and we. Drive across the New York Marathon. Wow. <laughs> like, you can't do that. He goes, yes, I can. And I watched him park everywhere he wanted. I said, isn't anything happening? He goes, nope. Now he's a civilian because he's retired. And, boy, you should see all the trouble he gets in because he forgets he can't do that. Wow. Pardon my French, but what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was funny. You know, when you're in the middle of it happening, you're like, wow, that's really cool. We can do this. <laughs> and I looked at him once because like we were at a big show and he packed a bag full of knives and stuff and he uh-huh. ran to the airport I said where are you going he goes well I'm just going to go right through security I said you can't do this he goes yes I can now he waits in life like the rest of us he got up there and they went what is all this and he went oh my god I can't take that on the plane with me <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like welcome to the real world and welcome to civilian life <laughs> yeah. Hey, I remember, oh my. you know, when I go teach, and I know it's not quite off topic, but it's a good Filipino martial arts. I used to carry mm-hmm. six to ten knives at a time, and we go to security just so we wouldn't have any hassle. I would collect all the students who travel with me. I'd take all their knives, put them in a big basket, and stick them through, and mm-hmm. that was legal. they just look at it. It's really weird. But a Kubaton was illegal because that was a federal offense. Yeah. So, and a legal police weapon, police tool. And pocket that's, knives that's and pocket so knives. Yeah. yeah, that's so wild because I remember, I forgot how many years ago it was, I had a Kubaton on my keychain. I just forgot it was there, you know, I and I was dropping off a, a friend at the airport and I decided to, you know, walk her all the way to the gate. But getting getting through security, they, you know, they called in like, you know, five security people to look uh-huh. at this aluminum stick on my yeah. keychain. Yeah. And I was like, it's well. It's a Kubaton. Can I just leave it here? My friend's flight leaves in about twenty minutes, and you know they were sitting there hemming and hawing about whether or not it was safe. And it's kind of, and I'm thinking, well, you know, either take it or let me go. Yeah, you know, well, you I realize mean, back in those days, you could have while they harassed you for that, you could have walked right through with all your knives. 
Yeah, that's see, that's true. And but but one time, and I, I don't know if this will get me in trouble, but one time, I accidentally forgot about one of my smaller Leathermans um, in a deep pocket. I just completely forgot it was there because it was a really deep hidden pocket. And I managed to get through security, and then I went back out again. Um, and then on the way back in through security, they the X-ray people found it, and I went, "Whoa, I'm sorry, I forgot it was there." So I lost the Leatherman. But then when I finally got to the gate, I realized, how did I get through the first time? Right. It was kind of well, weird, but... It happened. Yeah. We were, we named, I was on my way to the Philippines, and we stopped in Narita. And the guy's with me. Uh, one of them, you know, he last minute grabbed the bag to bring with him. Mm-hmm. And we obviously, we've already gone through American security. We're in Japan. He sends the bag through. And next thing I watched, security running up to him, around him. And pointing at his bag, and I'm like, hmm. this is not good. And I walk over and go, kind of help. And, of course, they want me to go away. They rip his bag mm-hmm. apart, pull out this real classic Benchmate from God knows when. Mm-hmm. And he goes, wow, thank you for finding it. I no idea where it was. And they're staring at him. They're all arguing Jap- Japanese. And I'm like, this is not good. Because all the time <laughs> my life, I'll just take it with me. And went, this is not good. Don't you re-? And it turned into a big deal because... Obviously, he's not supposed to have it. Japan goes really nuts about those kind of things. He goes, are they going to give it back? I went, come with me. You're going to be lucky they don't put you in jail. Oh, man. Yeah, you say goodbye to it. You thought you lost it before. It's truly lost now. And they luckily oh, went up for two hours of arguing. And you finally got yeah. it through to them. But, you know, that's life today. All yeah. And that's, you know, that's... Filipino martial arts overall because we're all you carry tools and you find mm-hmm. out there's lots of places you can't carry your tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I had I, I had flown I had gone up to uh, Lake Tahoe to do a uh, Mark Stewart, uh, Andrew Salita, and uh, Larry Hartzell seminar. I fly back, my duffel is ripped open in, in the plane. It comes down in the baggage carousel. My sticks and my blades are everywhere. Uh, <laughs> everywhere! Oh my God! They had taped up my bag and my sticks were mm-hmm. on. Oh my God! It was horrible. Yeah. So, Brent, tell. Uh, <laughs> let me do it real quick. So, tell us, uh, what got you into modern our needs, and what was it like training with uh, the late Grandmaster Priestess? Um, I got into it because I always wanted to be a knight in shining armor, and I studied archaeology, arms and armor. I used to build mm. suits of armor. I used to study them. And when I started martial arts, because my dad uh, is the late Robert Gould, and the artist illustrator, the painter. So he made me learn how to, you know, make my own paints, make my own paper, and I had to learn Japanese and Chinese brush painting. And so uh, we had always uh, all the old pictures of samurais, because he actually had real prints. Because uh, in the old days after the war, they actually, they actually used, uh, I'm sorry about that, much other computer shutting off. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> For that back, but I had it out loud so I could try to hear you. Goodbye. Anyways, like, what? I, you know, so, yeah, yeah, goodbye. Um, <laughs> goodbye. So we actually had real Japanese prints all around, and I always wanted to study the arts. And then when I went to do martial arts, no one would let me do weapons. They always said, you know, got to do it the hand first. And I started with, you Whoa. know, I did some bar, I did Wing Chun. Um, I studied with Che Ri, Jun Ri's, you know, cousin, because he was up in the area. And everyone always had a reason. Now, I was still making swords and, you know, all that stuff on my own. You know, uh, simple metal ones, wood ones, whatever I could do to practice. And 
I had heard about Filipino martial arts, and I heard about Remy Presas, and as soon as I saw pictures of him doing anything, I went, wow, I want to do that. And I had heard Dan Anderson talking about him uh, at the Diamond Nationals, and Dan was obviously black belt at that point. I was an underbelt in American freestyle back then, and but Dan Anderson and Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I thought that we was lost. you guys waiting for me to click up. <laughs> no, we, we lost, lost Bram. And it, we lost Bram. Uh, that's okay. Technical difficulties. So I'll just uh, message him. Uh, Skype in again. Your connection cut off. <laughs> so in the meantime, folks, um, <clears throat> go ahead and give us a call at 347 347- Six seven seven zero six nine nine. Hopefully, we'll get Bram back on the line with us. Um, must be something with Skype. Uh, now, keep in mind, folks. Like, if you're using Skype, um, you need to have a pretty good uh, Wi-Fi connection because it started almost sounding. Didn't you think, Bob, that he was kind of going like into the outskirts from from Wi-Fi range? It kind of sounded like he was uh, going outside of Wi-Fi range there or internet range. Um, but I sent him a message and said, uh, uh, Skype in again, your connection cut off. And I think he's trying to write me back, but anyway, <laughs> darn it. I hate it when stuff like that happens. Technical difficulties. Now, <clears throat> while we're waiting for Brown, speaking of modern Arnese, now did Bob, did you study modern Arnese or did you study primarily the Inosanto blend? In the Santo blend, the uh, Temujin, uh Lukai Lukai method. Oh, okay. Because you know, I've 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 only I think I've taken only a few um, seminars based on uh, modern Arnis through Datu Kelly Warden. <clears throat> Amazing stuff, modern Arnises, and um, applies to uh, even Dose Pares, which is what I uh, currently study. Um, and it's it's just great stuff. I mean, what a what a legend Grandmaster Presas uh, was. So um, let's see if Bram has called back yet. Nope. <laughs> Actually, I, I did I did take one seminar, and you wouldn't believe it too. Carl Carl Totten was under Remy Presas Senior. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. That's wow. where I, that's actually the first time I ever met him. And wow. you know, he thought I was I was really a beginner student. And this oh my god, this was probably 25 years ago. And wow. he looked at me like a beginner, and he says, "Wow, you're catching on pretty quick to this stuff." <laughs> and I was wearing a, <laughs> and I was wearing a Jeet Kune Do shirt. He goes, "Okay, now I get it." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like. Um, an- Pretty much off topic, but pretty much the same thing. The first time I met Frank Dukes was at a seminar. I'd met him the first time, and um, I never said anything about what I did. I just, you know, joined in, and uh, Frank pretty much said the same thing. He's like, wow, you gals are really catching on quick, because me and uh, Master Cheryl Johnson, my business partner, uh, were working together. Wow, you guys catch on to this quick. You know, what what do you guys do? And we kind of went, meh, you know, we just didn't answer the question, right? And everyone had went to lunch, and uh, me and Cheryl decided to stay behind, and Frank came up to both of us and said, okay, all right, 
really, the truth, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, "Um, uh, okay. (laughs) And he's like, see, you know, wow. So when I say this and this and that and that, you guys got it. That's cool. And then I didn't meet Frank again until a couple, however many years ago at the uh, Masters Hall of Fame. So pretty cool. 2011, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I told him who I was, and he was like, you were with that other gal. And I'm like, yep, yep. He's like, wow, a brain like a steel trap. All right, so we're still waiting on Grandmaster Bram to Skype us in again. Apparently his laptop went all wonky on him. But if any of his students or colleagues are listening, which I know some are, if you'd like to join in the conversation and uh, and uh, talk with Bram when we bring him back on or um, talk a little bit about your study under him, if you're a student or um, being colleagues with him, uh, please give us a call, 347-677-0699, or give us a give us a shout-out on the chat board on the Blog Talk Radio Show Marquee. Well, I know that Bram is on, is listening, because he's on the chat board, but he's not on our board. So I guess we'll just wait um, until his uh, laptop comes back online. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So now anybody else that's modern says, you know, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, even though you know, you might have lineage under the same person that, you know, each person has a different take on the art. So if you are a student of modern Arnese, you know, and and do want to talk to Bram, give us a call too. So colleagues, students, what have you, give us a call, 347-677-0699. And we have, whoa, we had Bram on the line for a second, and I was going to pull up his mic, and he's gone again. <laughs> oh my gosh, Bob, you still there? <laughs> Don't tell I'm me you're still here. Up too. Yeah, can you imagine that? Is <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay, you cut off again. I'm messaging him. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> I'm putting an LOL there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds so much better. Yeah, LOL. <laughs> so he's like, I'm on. I'm here. I can hear you. Nope. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So this is sometimes what happens. This is the joy (laughs) of live radio. This is. Now, um, for listeners that don't know, uh, Master Bram Frank is also a knife designer. So when we we bring him back on, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about his knife designs and, and what inspires his knife designs um, just by looking at the designs of his knives. And he's got several models out now. Um, they are um, a, a, they are a little bit different looking than regular knives, right? So, you know, um, you look at a, you know, if you carry a knife, you know, you go, oh, okay, I have a knife. But if you look at Bram's designs, these these designs are based on functional use. Not only for you know cutting rope or opening packages or whatever, but for full functional self defense use and these blades are awesome and I suggest that you look up Bram Frank knives 
on the internet and check them out. Buy them. They're they're awesome knives. I'm saving up for one. So um, he just texted me and said, I'm trying, but it won't let me on. Phone call coming. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so we're just gonna wait for the phone call, and that way, he and when he comes back, uh, listeners, he uh, will continue with his uh, explanation about how he got into modern Arnis and what it was like training under Grandmaster Remy Presas. So, come on, call in live radio. Come on, let's go. Is not well. Let's see. Nope. I'm refreshing all of my monitors, <laughs> hoping three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Bram, three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Oh, and there he is! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yay! I'm we so sorry. You know. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I'm I know. So it decided to reload a non-existent Windows because it remember I told you it took it away, shut everything oh. down, and said we're reload. And I'm like, you can't do that. And they went, this Windows they loaded is not real. I'm like, I know that. Give me Skype back. It keeps telling me. It keeps <laughs> clicking on Skype to talk. It gives me an idiot screen that goes, you need to download Skype. I'm like. I have Skype. I click, I have Skype, and it goes, I click it. It just sits there staring at me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to blow up my laptop. I'm going to punch a hole in my computer, and I'm done with it. Get a new one. You're done. <laughs> yeah. So to make sure the phone doesn't die, just so you know, because thank God I bought myself a Note 3. I, I really love my phone. Woo! The phone is actually plugged into a power source. It cannot run out of power. I have my head, my earbuds are in. And we're on, so we can we're go back. On. Anyways, I'm, yeah, and I'm we're, sorry. When I yeah. went to go meet Remy, you know, mm-hmm. it's um, I really wanted to meet him, and I lived way up north in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of Vermont, and he came to a little tiny town just south of there, and the Chinese go, when it's time for you to meet your instructor, he'll show up. And he came, mm-hmm. and I went to meet him, and, you know, I stayed in the back of the room, and I was just using my sticks and because I had been practicing from his books and just doing it on my own all the time. And he came right across the room, you know, sort of like this Red Sea parting, and he came right up to me and said, my name is Remy. What's your name? He didn't say this Grandmaster Presas, Professor Presas. He went, my name's Remy. What's your name? I said, Bram. He goes, Bram, I'm going to be your friend forever. You're going to be my friend forever. Come with me. He brought me up to the front of the room and said, everyone, this is my friend Bram. And he proceeded to beat me up for the rest of the seminar. And back then, (laughs) I didn't know what tapping out was. And he looks at me and goes, pulls me aside and goes, doesn't it hurt? And I said, hell yeah, it hurts. He goes, why don't you say something? He goes, you're too old-fashioned and respectful. He goes, you know, you could tap. So he went to grab me and do something. started to tap. He goes, that doesn't hurt. And he cranked (laughs) it on me and said, that hurts. And I'm like, ah! He goes, no, tap, don't scream. And I'm like, okay. But, uh... (laughs) Um, and you know I, that's how I treat so he used to come stay with me at the house and then when I moved to Florida he was real happy because I lived in Miami Beach and he mm-hmm. would come stay on the beach with me and at times um, he'd want something private so they had back then so all these mom and pop little hotels very Filipino like right on mm-hmm. the beach 
So I'd won the Blue Moon where I always had a room reserved for him, and the back door just opens right up onto the ocean. You know, he had oh, like a little living room. Cool. He had a kitchenette, and he would stay there. And I never knew because he'd call me in the middle of the night, can I come back to the, the condo? And I'd be like, yeah, I'd go pick him up. Mm-hmm. Middle of the night, I'd hear, you know, like knock, knock, knock on my d- bedroom door, and I'd look up and I'd go, Rum, uh, I cannot sleep. We should go by the pool. So we'd go on the pool, we'd train. He'd look at me go, oh, uh, maybe I go to the hotel room. I'm like, okay. One of the jokes I wrote about it in this, uh, like we all did remembrances of Professor Presas for like the 50th anniversary of Modern East. Uh, Dieter, Datu Dieter, did a whole magazine about it and had us by year. Remy used to look at me and go, oh, problem, uh, we should go see Willie. I go, okay. Willie was all the way up in Clearwater. That's about four and a half hours from here. Wow. I look at him and go, why didn't you fly up there if you want to see Willie? I go, problem. I went, okay. And we'd make it about halfway across the state of Florida to Naples go, oh, we should see Grandmaster Bo. So we'd go see <laughs> Bo. We'd hang around Bo Sayaki, look at Mel Brahm. We'd eat, do whatever, go, I'm tired, we should go home. Look at him and go, we didn't make it to Willie's yet. We'd turn around and drive all the way back across Alligator Alley. And, of course, he's in the car, <laughs> sleeping and snoring. And the first time, my daughter looks at him and she goes, what are you doing home? I said, he fell asleep, we didn't make it. And then it became a joke because every time he said we should drive up and see Willie, we never made it. We never made it past Naples. Rachel used to look and go, Daddy, you're not going to make it. I will. I will this time. I will. We never did. <laughs> the only way I got him up there was I had to fly him up there and drag him to Willie's. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, my goodness. That's, you know, well, that's, that's you know what to remember about uh, uh, Clearwater, Florida, Rusty? What's that? Say again, Bob. You know what I remember about Clearwater, Florida? What's that? What? That's where the first Hooters was opened. You know, yeah, absolutely. It would figure, and it's know, still that, there. <laughs> I would figure that it'd be the only thing that you remember, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go figure. Uh, actually, I knew the guys that did security. One of my senior black belts was head of security at Hooters there, and it is the original Hooters. It's right there on uh, Gulf of the Bay. Route 60, <laughs> and just north of it on 19 is the oldest deli in the area, Lenny's. It's only open for breakfast and lunch. Oh, well, I've heard, deli. Of, I've heard and, of Lenny's, yeah. Yeah, Lenny's is pretty famous, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's around the corner from the Hooters, but uh, <laughs> I, there's better food at Lenny's for sure. And at Lenny's, <laughs> once you know, I went to Lenny's after a seminar. You know, I used to drive up there to teach at uh, Joe Sneeweiss's place, and we got all done, and the woman who would become, at one point, Mrs. Frank, took me to uh, uh, eat breakfast here because that's where they're famous for and their lunch and all their deli food. And I'm sitting at the counter telling, we're talking something about Israel, and this guy standing and looks at me and goes, I still live in Israel. And we started talking. And mm-hmm. it was Dan Farrell, and he's a guy his family owns Lenny's, and he had lived on a kibbutz for all in Israel. We started talking, started talking about our niece. And he goes, I want to do that. And the next thing I knew, at night, you know, because they closed at 3 in the afternoon at 1500, all the, we'd move all the tables. And I actually, for the first couple of years, ran my school out of the restaurant. I felt like Bruce Lee teaching out of the, right. the Chinese restaurant. Chinese thing. restaurant, right. And I remember yeah, one yeah. night, the police come by, right, and they see all these lights on at night and people doing stuff. They come banging on the doors, and we walk up and go, yes. They're looking at us like, what are you guys doing? Going martial art class? They go, in the restaurant? Dan's like, yeah, we just move all the tables out of the way. It's, 
And, you know, that's where the, the group would meet. So Lenny's actually has, you know, the, and <clears throat> for all these deli people out there who are listening, you know, the thing about a New York deli or famous, you know, California deli is do you have your picture on the wall? That's the start of, you know, your famous and old-fashioned Jewish-style deli. Mm-hmm. The next part is, do you have a sandwich named after you? And I not only have uh-huh. my picture, I have a whole corner there, the Grandmaster Bram corner. And, yes, That's I have cool. the Grandmaster Bram sandwich. So I oh, always no tell way. my family I've made it. Wow. Yeah, I've got my own sandwich. Yeah. That's so cool. Now, I'm my, my geography when it comes to Florida is, is so bad. My uh, my aunt lives near Boca Raton. Now, where is Lenny's? That's in close to me. Dark- okay, Lenny's is all the way over by Tampa. It's on oh, okay. the west side on the Gulf Coast, about half of the way up. Right now, okay. I am down in Aventura, which is North Miami Beach, on the east side, all the way at the bottom. Oh, so okay. It, it's about 340 miles to get up to Clearwater. And I still teach oh. in Clearwater, and Clearwater is the... Uh, S2KKP and the CIS Academy where I'm the chief instructor, and that's a law enforcement for city, state, and federal level research, and I'm the chief weapons instructor up there. It was okay when I lived around the corner. Now I have to drive up there, you know, I'll do three or four days of teaching, and then I'll I'll drive back home. And I have my own, they finally built a brand new building uh, with a training hall, and what I used to get for teaching there, uh, I used the training hall as my school. So at night, oh. nothing's going on there. So people would come up and they'd look around and go, there's a school here? And you have to tell them to go past all the levels of security, come in and go, wow, look at this big training room. So now it's just as weird. you got all those electronic passes and stuff, but they built me a brand-new <laughs> training room. It's just really far away. But, you know, because I, wow. I take modern armies, you know, before we even get into it, and I teach it as a tactical application because Remy asked me, what did I want to learn? Mm-hmm. You know, Remy Prasas taught to what your strengths were when he first came to this country. Mm-hmm. You know, and That's uh, cool. you know, he looked at me and he said, "Because I, I kept asking, I want to know blade art, which is again arms and armor, which is why I really wanted to deal with Remy, because mm-hmm. he looked at me and said, you know, we put weapons in your hands first, and then we work our way to empty hands.' And I went, "Now that makes sense to me. Yeah. None of this." If you learn this, we'll teach you that. And Remy believed in, uh, you know, instructor learning. He wanted everybody mm-hmm. to be an instructor right away because you learn faster being an instructor. And the art continues right. by building instructors, not by building practitioners, because a practitioner can quit whenever they want. An instructor mm-hmm. never quits. An instructor is always building new people and new things to do. And so he believed in that. And when somebody <laughs> pulls me aside and said, do you want to do the family art? And I used to harass him about knife all the time. <laughs> I want to learn knife. I want to learn blade. And I go to, you know, I never got a break on seminars. We'd show up at big seminars, and he'd have someone there, and he'd go, Brim, you go with him. I go, what about the seminar? He goes, what did I say? And I go, okay. That's why I met Shashir, you know, and uh, Shashir Anakala, you know, because he was the ballet song guy. So we started doing that. Mm-hmm. And he would, you know, Jose Mena, all these guys, he would go, go with him. So I did, you know, and I'd study him my own. I'd work with him on it. And I missed out on a lot of the other modernity stuff. And one time he looked at me and he brought me his grandfather's bolo and his uncle's bolo um, after he'd been to it and said, I will give these to you. And, you know, he fed right into it because I really wanted it. He said, you have a choice. You can do the soul of the art, which is blade, or you can mm-hmm. do the beauty of the art, which is stick. Mm-hmm. And then he told me, you know, 
look and go, you don't want to teach police and military. And I looked and I said, isn't that what your family did? He goes, oh, you don't want to do that. And I couldn't tell if he was like waiting for me to say, well, I want to do what you do. Or I go, okay, sure, I won't do that. Mm-hmm. And I looked and said, well, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And after a bunch of years, you know, he just kept going okay. And he let me run with it. Cool. And I'm glad he did. You know, um, I. he told me, and it's very true, you know, if you use the blade, you cannot be dishonest with yourself or your students. Um, right. If you guys have done stick, which I know you have, you can mm-hmm. be, you know, under someone's arm or over their arm. If you're under their arm, you can reach up their head. You can, like, throw an abanico or twist around or do something. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks cool. And in real, you would get trapped down. But we exactly. learned to cheat, all of us did, because we can make it work with a stick. There's no repercussions. With a blade, you are either over the arm or under the arm. There is no, well, I'll cheat, because if you yeah. run that blade into your arm, yeah. which you can do once. Yeah, exactly. It's all right. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I, think, I, make, I think we've I think, all done it I, once. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because I know people, you know, I've cut my fingers off, and, I, you know, I learned, I used to tell people, Part of the art of learning Sinawali is learning how to weave space, not weave your arms. Mm-hmm. And weaving space was important so that you don't cut off your own fingers, your own arm, or your own leg. Because I watch people do things with stick, and I don't know how many times I've seen people hit their own elbows with sticks, mm-hmm. uh, run into the sticks into their hands, bump into themselves. And I go, I know you can do that, but you may not because if you do it, it's a, you can do it once. Oh, no, I do it all the time. No, not with, with one of these, because you'll turn your fingers into fingies. They're going to be on the floor. You'll cut fingies. the tips of your, your elbows off. You can't do that. I'm telling you, you can't. Not only can't, you, I'm telling you, you may not, but if you do this, you will do it once. And yeah. I watch people not listen and slice the inside of their arms off. I had one student. He used to sit there and watch Star Trek, and I said, don't play with a live blade when you do that. And he's playing, playing. And he came in with his left arm behind his back, and I said, what's wrong? There's nothing. He kept rotating around me so I couldn't see his arm. And I'm like, uh-huh, you know, 47 stitches on the outside, like a couple hundred inside, because he tip-ripped himself watching Star Trek and playing games and not paying attention where the tip was. Oh, my I've had gosh. Guys with karambits, they're showing off spinning, like I don't know what oh, uh-huh. that does. But they spin, and I watch the thing jam into the guy's forearm, so it's wrapped on his forefinger. The thing's looped yeah. over his thumb, and the tip is in his arm. And you can see he wants the bullet forward to get it out. And it's cutting his arm as he goes down. I'm like, that's not going to work. Right? You know. <laughs> you know, you said something really cool, and this is going to stick with me because I loved how you put it. Sinawali is about weaving space not your arms. Yeah. And, you know, that's right. it, it's when you, you said that, I'm like, oh, my God, that is so right. And, you know, I mean, you know, like when I teach my own students about Sinawali and we do it with blades and bolo and um, just everything, right, like pool cues and stuff. And I yeah. still see, especially with the teens, there's always going to be a teen student that will want to try something that they see on YouTube or TV or something or if they watch – Right. You know, the tons of Bali song flipping videos, and they go, oh, hey, oh, well, yeah, Sifu, yeah. do you know how to flip the Bali song? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they'll, you know, show me a video. I'm like, dude, that's sport flipping. That's like juggling. I mean, that's like, it's yeah, like, exactly. it's like circus. What does that got to do with using an edge tool? Yeah, I'm like, that's 
That's that's yeah. circus type stuff. You know, I'm like, no, can I do it? Yeah. Will I do it with this one? No. No. <laughs> because yeah. you well, see I that hole in my arm? Like yeah. They, yeah. Well, you know, they talk about, you know, live handle, safe handle on ballet songs. And I said, do you understand that a ballet song, it's an old, old Spanish sailing knife, you know, mm-hmm. and when people used to complain, just a backtrack and go, look how stupid it is. It's made out of brass. And the first one's coming to America brought back by our soldiers. We're brass. Mm-hmm. Blades and all. And someone said, what are you doing? I said, you obviously are not a sailor. What a cool tool. Because it was to cut fuses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you got a brass handle on a brass blade, I know it doesn't stay sharp very long, but what else you got to do on a ship when you got sails and it takes you two years to go across an ocean? Sharpen the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, but it can't spark. Because if you yeah. have a spark, if you have iron and you spark near your, your gunpowder and your fuses, well, say lucky, no more shit. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the reason it opened up was so in length. It had markings on it so you could measure the length of, you know, the lines you needed or the fuses you needed. Mm-hmm. And you could do it one-handed, but which now moving up to what's a safe handle. If you hold the safe handle, you can't just open it and lay it on someone's arm. I know you've played with the ballet song. If you hold the unsafe handle and open it, it wants to close in your hand. But if you lay the cutting edge on something, it stays open all the way. So you want the safe, unsafe handle, flip it open so it locks onto someone's arm. You cut right through it. It goes to snap, and it's shut again, but it cut right through their arm. It works oh, really well. Oh, you know, good the opposite point. Of what they wow. You know, because if you just hold the, the unsafe handle, it'll fall on your fingers and cut. But as long mm-hmm. as there's something in front of it, it stays open. So if someone grabs you, you flip the unsafe side on them, and it's cut, and the more they try to move. And when you do it, it's closed, and you go right back to an impact tool, pop it open and cut them, because you don't open it all the way. All this flip it all the way around and have it locked open, why would you do that? Yeah. When you can wow, just pop a, and cut them, and what holds point. it open is it's, so you cut yeah. them, come up, smack them, pop it, it's right there, and you can slide up and cut, and it's just like it's locked open until it shuts. As long as it, your opponent's in the way. You take the fillets off of them, cut the fillet, and it automatically shuts. Beat them with the stick part. No problem. That's awesome. And you know no, what we're talking cool. I'm going to have to go Center find one. my Bali song now and try it. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, well, that's awesome. What, you know, because I get the same thing. I watch these guys doing all the flipping. I go, what's that? I'm sure you guys, because you're out there, you know, you guys know Guru Scott Sonnen. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Brennan Scott Sonnen. I know Scott as well, too. Pardon me, both Scots. That's you know, I'm getting old. <laughs> Get over sixty, your brain shatters things around here. Um, I used to watch his old stuff, and he used to look at people and go, "What are you flipping them for? It's just a knife. Cut with it." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I used to look at people, and Scott and I've known each other for a long time, and I'd look at people doing all these, as you said, the aerobatics and acrobatics and flipping them and doing. I go, "What is that?" They said, "Oh, when he's flipping." I said, "You know, what I'm going to do what you're doing yet." I'm going to cut all your freaking fingers off and put this tool back in my pocket. And they're like, what? Right. I don't care right. how many times you can spin it through your fingers. I don't care how many times you can flip it. I tell you, I don't care about any of that. I'm going to turn you into the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You're going to be a stump. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come close and I'll bite your kneecaps off. 
right, exactly. Well, you know, it's like you some know. of these. I've I've seen some of these videos that these uh, that these kids put out, and you know, it's cool, it's aerobatic. I mean, but really, you're gonna throw your bali song up in the air and catch it. Okay, good luck. You're gonna yeah. flip it. They, you know, let go. They're actually letting go of the handles, yeah, spin it cool. around their fingers, yeah. and I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? And that's the hard part about, you know, teaching teens is that, you know, they want the cool stuff and they think the they 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 know that the functional stuff is very yeah. well worth the while to but they want the cool stuff and it's kinda like, Well, you know, I mean, I I don't teach that. If you want to learn how to flip it and juggle with it then watch the YouTube videos. Otherwise, yeah. Can we just get on with the cutting? Can, let's go. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Well, you know. I don't. Also, I you know, blade work. Yeah. Well, I find people have also studied for a long time in Philippine arts. Come up with some really like blinders on. Whatever they've mm-hmm. learned is the only way. And I go, excuse me. They go, well, I hit this, I hit that, and blades. I look and go, do you cut? They go, yeah, I cut, and I go, no, no. I realize you've cut in the air. I say, well, what do you cut? What do you mean? I said, you cutting the air is like sitting in your house and dry firing. I'm right. not impressed that you dry fire. How many rounds do you send down to the end of the range? At what at what distances are you using this firearm? What kind of stuff do you do with your firearm? They go, what has it got to do? And I said, well, we cut things. You know, Graciela mm-hmm. used to always laugh. She goes, I want to come to Florida and play with you guys because you really cut stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. cut meat. We cut plastic. We cut metal. We cut rope. Uh, foam, you know, those swim it. noodles are perfect. The j- swim noodles yeah. are just like cutting people. Yeah. You know, yeah, and we I cut, you know, I'm noodles. famous for, you know, cutting chicken thighs because we hold the chicken thigh with the drumstick sticking up, and that's a finger. And we see how many little perfect round discs of bone you can cut off. So you practice cutting Ooh. people's fingers off. Ooh. You know. Uh, you know. <laughs> That's, that's, that's awesome because <laughs> I do I do uh, a lot of cutting with swords. I used to test a lot of swords for uh, a local sword maker here in Seattle, and uh, we would cut everything from pool noodles to like sides of beef to oil cans. Yeah, of and course. Stuff. But exactly. we never tried. Yeah. We never tried using like chicken thighs and chicken legs as like in place well, of yeah. Things. Well, if you hold a chicken thigh. Don't let the drumstick do the part where it hangs down because you're going to be in big trouble. But flip it up so it wants right. to. I won't say what it looks like when it's sticking up well, in there yeah. holding straight out like that. <laughs> Can you use your imagination? But you just cut it that because that way you're pushing against the grin. You can slice. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to try that for a visual, Rusty. That's a visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cute. If you take a regular, you know, plastic water bottle and you put it on a two by four, mm-hmm. right? So it's just barely sitting there. And what we do is we see how many cuts can you put through this bottle without the bottle moving. Yeah, that's what we do too with uh, with milk milk uh, milk bottles. We'll we'll try to like do that, and then soda bottles, and yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, so we use water bottles because the most we've ever gotten out of it is nine cuts without it moving. Oh, cool. Very, very cool. Pretty much. You know, pretty much, and I got pictures of it, and pretty much as you're going through it, by the second cut, because the first thing is through, like, through the cap, then the cap and the rim, mm-hmm. then you're onto the neck of the bottle. Once you strengthen the bottle, the water's basically out of it, and there's nothing basically holding it there. And we're not swinging at this. You have to be just about an inch away from the bottle and then mm-hmm. cut it. We don't That's do awesome. swings at it. And I used to do that with That's cans of, you know, we take uh, soda cans, obviously take the soda out, fill them with water. 
and you put your your blade, your your pocket knife, right by mm-hmm. the side there, and then you just cut the can in half. Once you can do that, because you can get about two millimeters of the tip of a standard blade coming out the other side, you put that water can on top of an empty can, and then cut it without either can moving. Mm. Um, you take a you hang a thread, regular you know sewing thread, mm-hmm. put a paper clip at the end, and you slide uh, two lines worth of lined paper about four inches mm-hmm. long and just hang it there. And with the number one and the number two, you see if you can cut the paper without it coming out of the paper clip. Oh, see, That's these the are ABS really there. cool. These are really cool training aids because. You know, it's like uh, I hold cutting parties. I know that sounds kind of weird. It sounds like a party. No, for that sounds cool to but, me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to hold a lot of cutting parties. The last one I, I had was uh, last summer, as a matter of fact. And we normally cut uh, uh, milk jugs with pocket knives and swords and bolos and machetes and stuff like that. But all of these other things that you mentioned are great training aids that I'd like to, with your permission, try. Um, yeah. During my next lesson, well, you know what you do in the water bottles? Um, We'd like to put red jello in them. Oh, it's a little easier in some ways, but you get that nice jiggly look as you cut each level through it. I actually (laughs) built I I built cutting dummies that we could have four people cutting at the same time because they're all these PVC structures, and you could have one bottle or up to three bottles. So you, each person, so as they came, and you could change how much resistance the bottle has because you could sit it way in. So like a third of the bottle is held securely so it won't go anywhere. As you get more advanced, the bottle comes up so the bottles are just sitting on a flat surface. Everybody's cutting in towards the center because it's a four-cornered piece. I'll send you pictures. Yeah, um, yeah. And we, built, and we had cutting dummies. So you could actually be the range master and watch four people at a time if you've got enough qualified students, you can watch eight because they're in front of you, each one cutting oh, I see. I get it. Okay, where they can't yeah. get to each other. And they can have up to, like I said, three cutting at different heights in front of themselves so they can practice different cuts. And, you know, if the bottle goes bouncing, I guess you're hitting, not cutting. Right. Um, and, yeah. You know, That's so a we'd great like to do that. Great. I, have, I, have I have a question. Yes, sir. Using red jello, that had nothing to do with the fact that if the jello started oozing out, it would simulate blood, right? Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with that because the jello actually hit. You want it to be, you know, uh, really jello that it actually just sits there and vibrates, you know, and the, the, it sloughs off. It's a little yeah. cheaper than, uh, you know, than the ballistic wax and stuff and all the wax. Right, exactly. The human flesh. Um, but, you know, it's not to get the blood effect. It was just that I, you could use any color. It's just when you cut it, the best thing about it, because the outside edge of the plastic, whatever you cut, um, mm-hmm. a lot of times get jagged or doesn't give you true it. But if you see right through that you've cut something, you have an interior surface where you can see the angle of your cut. And jello mm-hmm. reflects that. Because if you don't yeah. draw smoothly, you actually get jagged hunks that come out rather than jello on a smooth cut. Mm-hmm. So the jello actually tells you how smoothly you're pulling through that. It also will tell you whether if you're pulling smoothly, maybe you need to sharpen your blade. Mm-hmm. Um, I love playing. It's like uh, I was trained as a chef. You know, I, I really love mm-hmm. I did private mm-hmm. catering. So for me, you know, the old adage, if I can touch you, you're cut already, took me a long time because that chef cutting, you start with the tip, and the tip's on the cutting board with a chef knife. You never pick it up. You just rock it. Mm-hmm. And everyone thinks cutting is 
from heel to toe. You know, they hit, you catch it by the guard and you're pulling through because that's a normal swing motion. Mm-hmm. In real, when they talk about thrusting, thrusting was actually cutting with the tip. It's not actually catching the tip. You lay it on there and circular thrusting is I'm pushing just like on a cutting board only. Mm-hmm. You're the surface of what I'm cutting. I stick it out and I roll that edge on you just like I'm rolling toe to heel on a cutting board cutting cucumbers, carrots, whatever, you know, and, and rolling. So if I can touch you, you're cut already because I'm sliding in at you. As you slide away from me, that gives me my heel toe. Mm-hmm. They start in with toe heel, slide all the way in, and if I can touch you, I cut. So I make them take the swim noodles and just see how little a space it takes. Because mm-hmm. if you have clothing on, it's dangerous because I don't know what I've cut. So if right. I'm swinging at you, you're swinging at me, my blade might only catch, especially if someplace cold, I only catch your jacket. Well, what if you got a jacket on, a sweater on, a shirt on, long underwear, before I get to your skin, which is pretty good protection unto itself, and I'm not getting to the muscle. Mm-hmm. So if I swing and you swing, I might miss. But if I intercept and you run into my blade and it just I stop, and then I draw it through, either push mm-hmm. it through forward like I'm chef cutting, or I draw it through, I will cut through your jacket, your sweater, your long underwear, your shirt, your skin, and through your muscle. And if I do that, as soon as I'm there, I'm already, as soon as I'm on the other side, I can re-enter. If I swing, mm-hmm. I end up in outer Mongolia because I hit the target and mm-hmm. go through. I don't need all that dead space. In real, I want to be right where I cut. Mm-hmm. You can't move at me. Right. So I'm already, as Remy used to say, you're already there. So if I cut your arm, you know, mm-hmm. like a one's coming into my left side, and I, and I intercept and I draw it through. I'm maybe a half inch below your arm with my blade. Mm-hmm. You start to move. I have a choice of I can re-enter, which becomes like entering a two bud and coming in to feed back a two on a cross. Or I can mm-hmm. feed a four right away. Or I can shift over to your far side, go attack your left side as I drift across because my tool's already there. Or if you stick your hand in, I can bring my tool into play. But if I do a full swing and it's somewhere by my side or by my back, what the hell am I going to do with it? I create a vacuum. Right. Nature, mm-hmm. nature abhors a vacuum. So if I leave a vacuum, you're going to fill it with something. But if right. my tool is always right. right there, if I've severed through everything, so I've turned you into the Black Knight for sure, you know, you're bleeding, you bastard, your, your arm's on the floor. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I can go ahead and yeah. enter and do what I want, and everything you put there, I, that's why we practice cutting, and I teach them how to cut because I don't want them swinging. That's you, know, you want the tools so to do cool. the work. You know, it's 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 rare that well, I'll, I'll just say it. It's it's rare that you know that you find instructors such as yourself that 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 do focus on the the act function function and reality of what the tool is for. Because like you said, you know, yeah, you know, you can do that with you can do this and that and that with the stick, but you can only do that with a blade once. So why? Are you doing this, this, and this, right? It really makes a student yeah. think about their about their technique, and that's what I like about what you're telling us. Yeah. In fact, I'm texting yeah, well, Bob, and I'm like, I'm texting Bob, and I'm like, that's so badass! I can't wait to try the Jello thing, right? And he's like, wow, yeah, right. no crap! Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, this is have... awesome. <laughs> well, you know, the next time you're doing, like, if you're doing silhouette, and I'm sure you've done puño striking, and a lot of times yeah. people come up under their arm, right? You're under the yeah. arm, and you, you butt strike at him, you check the guy down, come back. Picture of doing the blade, you have to learn to do it outside your arm. 
Because if you're inside oh, your arm, you slice yeah. the inside of your arm off. You can't be inside your arm. And I tell people, part of Sinawali teaches you when I talk about weaving spaces, you only have one hand in the field of play at any one time. Mm-hmm. So that your elbow and your hip move as you do Sinawali. I'm not weaving my arms. I'm weaving my body, which allows me to weave space because mm-hmm. I want to make sure my hand is not in front of my blade because the blade is stupid. Mm-hmm. Whatever's in front of it, it's going to cut. It doesn't know good guy from bad guy. It doesn't know me, for, and it'll gladly cut anything that's fast. It's sort of like rule number one of a firearm. Mm-hmm. Don't let that muzzle cross anything you don't want to destroy. So don't shoot your own foot. Don't shoot your own leg. You don't put your hand in front and go, yo, stop while your firearm's back because you'll shoot through your own hand. And I look at people okay. and go, you got to understand the tool precedes you. You don't precede the tool because you'll be an unhappy camper. And I get these guys go, you know, real knife guys, we hold the knife back here and wave our empty hand up front. And I go, okay, let me give you two things. First, if you move forward, you're going to run into your own hand. And B, you stick your empty hand up here. Did I mention I'm going to cut that empty hand off so that you're an unhappy camper and you'll eventually put your blade forward? You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to run into your own tool. That's like when we use marking tools. I look at people and go, what's the point of marking knives? And they tell me to see how many times you cut the other guy. And I go, wrong. Absolutely wrong. If you're training, it's like if you box, everybody gets hit. And mm-hmm. if it says you can teach you how to box and get you're lying. People do kicking arts. Oh, I can teach you how to kick and not get kicked. That's crazy. You got people who say, you know, no one in the right mind would say, I can teach you how to grapple so you'll never get choked out and you'll never be submitted. That's crazy because everybody gets submitted, everybody gets choked out. I don't care what level you are. There's always someone at some point who gets to you, okay? But there's nice people out there who goes, I'll teach you how to never get cut. Excuse me? Oh, wow. And I'll show you to cut the other. So if you're both training, I would expect everybody's going to cut. The reason you have two different colors is if you and I are doing it, and you have blue and I have red, well, there better be plenty of red on you and blue on me because we should be cutting each other. But there mm-hmm. should be no blue on you because that's your own color. There should be no red on me. Right. You know, the very right, right. place is to make sure you don't cut yourself because in the middle of all this, oh, look, I can get in here, I can trap them, I can move them, I can shift. Look at how cool it is. You got to make sure you don't run that edge on you. And I watch it happen all the time. People go, "That doesn't matter." Yes, it does. You know, with sticks, that's how where the bad attitude of sticks comes from. Yeah, yeah. There's no repercussion. Runs into your body, and it's telling you you shouldn't do it. It doesn't matter. It's just a stick. I can't get hurt. It might get a bruise. Big deal. You run into your blade. You're in. Are you mm-hmm. going to be an unfrickin' happy camper? Because yeah, it's, it's, already it's, it's over. Yeah. And it, what's you know, funny it, is that you know people some people don't, don't get seriously. it. That's no, yeah. That's don't. the point I was trying to. That's the point I was trying to make is that like a lot of people forget that a stick is just a. Well, in my in what I tell you, it's like a stick is a stick. It's a bludgeoning weapon. So you know yeah. we can you know and we do Sinawali with the stick. Yeah, but you know now if you try it with a machete and a knife, well then now what? Yo, know, look at that. You know you just cut your elbow off yeah. and you know so yeah. it, it, it's well, so it, what it, you say it makes is you true. want to do it differently, but. It does. But people don't want to change up. I look at them and go, do you understand your case? Because you, I'm sure you've done uh, simple single and single center wally. 
you know, yep, so you're yes, striking high-low or high-low-high. And I mm-hmm. look at people, when they start going faster or they start doing double, I said, do you understand what you're doing? I said, sure. I said, well, anytime you cross on the high line, I can clear my other tool on the low line. But you watch mm-hmm. people, they strike, and if they're striking down, they clear the tool on the low line. And you always hear clunk, you hear it hit, it bounces. Oh, yeah. I went, Why would you put everybody into the intersection <laughs> at the same time? When the intersection is clear, I pull my <laughs> tool out. <laughs> you know? And I don't swing my tool, I body shift. That brings my tool there, and when I body shift the other way, my hips throw it out. You almost look like you're doing white crane with a mm-hmm. stick mm-hmm. or with a blade. And mm-hmm. because you don't want to run into your own. And I, I've watched people, they, you know, they, they cut themselves. I had one guy, he's doing a demo. I said, don't do this with a live blade. You keep going under your arm. He goes, no problem. And he's doing this thing, and he sweeps from a closed position under his arm to his open right side. And it was a really cool special effect. Oh. You saw this stream of red fly oh, out in an arc and hit everybody in the front row. And, you know, he told me afterwards, he watched, because we could see it going out, and he's like, Damn. what's that? Yeah, what happened was he sliced right through his tricep, through his bicep as he pulled the blade from under his arm. Oh, God, and he got wow. really oh. fast through his Cinewally. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was I was cutting meat. I had a big hunk of meat wrapped up in, we wrap it up in plastic first because that's connective tissue, and then we wrap it in jeans. So I'm doing mm-hmm. all sorts of cuts on it, and I was showing how to do little C-cuts and tip rips, and you pop cool. out snow cone divots out of the meat. You know, you have these <laughs> perfect round circles of gene fall down. So I'm doing it, and we're, you know, we're popping it out, and then one just disappears. So I'm on hmm. stage doing a demo. I have no idea where it went. And then I realized this woman in the front row is gagging. And she's going, ah, that, that. And I'm like, oh, there's the piece of meat. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> you know. I, I had a dry heap there for a second. Okay, I'm better now. <laughs> yeah. Piece of raw meat. Like, hey, you know, the way I look at yeah. it, when you're done, you can just make a dobo out of everything, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, when we actually, uh, we make everybody clean their tools. Everything is clean, sterilized. Mm-hmm. We actually wear surgical booties and have clear plastic down. And when we're cutting, you know, pork, I don't do chicken, we throw away when we're done. Because it gets oh, so messy yeah. and you can't, there's no way to keep it fresh. But when yeah. we're cutting a hunk of beef, you know, a loin of beef or a, uh, a pork loin, we do exactly that. I, you know, I have to look, you shouldn't have to tell the students this, don't cut high first. Cut at the oh. bottom end and let's work our way up. Otherwise, yeah, that way you have more time kid, to yeah, cut. You know, hear this big thump. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> see that big piece of meat on the ground? Yes, sir. It was a nice cut. Now you refix it and hang it. <laughs> oh, but sir, yeah, well, you were stupid enough to cut way up there. But you cut we high. So we could yeah, <laughs> right. But we actually do because if everybody's blade is clean. You know, you got surgical booties on and it's clean. We make all sorts of dishes, anything, everything from adobo to to chilies to, you know, pot roast. We don't care, you know. That's cool. Stir fry because you got hunks of meat. Um, That's chicken see, just I mean, gets so messy. Yeah, because chicken, because yeah. we're cutting hunks of bone and doing, um, what we have left is generally the thighs are left. We don't usually cut up the whole thigh. We're actually just working on the, but I still don't like it because a solid hunk of meat, you know, as the meat gets cut, we're immediately dumping in. A solid hunk of meat doesn't get as contaminated as fast as little pieces of chicken. Right, and, you know, for yeah. the cost of chicken, I just, I don't want to take it. 
But yeah, it's well, not even not. a joke because we actually we do save the meat. Um, See, that's 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 cool because you know the the last time that we cut a, a side of pork, um, there was already a yeah. there was already a grill on the side, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> Angus, yeah. here you go. And he just put it yeah, right exactly. on there. Exactly. You, you know, wanna, and yeah, it's he, like right there. You know, it's like why waste it? It's yeah. not a training. We're, we get to eat and have a beer afterwards. Why not? It's great. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. <laughs> there you, you know, go. The Filipino way. That's right. Yeah. The Filipino training. Um, <laughs> so, so Brent, yeah, that, you we know, know you designed yeah. knives. Uh, what was? What do you think that was a natural progression in your in your martial career? Was next knife design? Well, I think, you know, when I first started, I said, I, you know, I always want to be an archaeologist. I love armor. And I lived outside of New York, so I always went to the Metropolitan Museum. Um, I collected little, the old Alastalan figures. That's what the museum people people use to make, uh, you know, whole battle scenes. The armor was correct. And people used to go nuts that I'd spend all that money as a kid. I'd save up all my allowance. That's what I wanted for presents because the armor was correct. I've always loved arms and armor and tried making stuff. I used to sit there for days looking at swords. I had books on swords and knives. I had a knife on my hand since I was little. I remember I always had, uh, you know, regular knives didn't have locks, and I used to carry a black cat with me. Black cat was a really flat German-style knife that actually had a lock. And everyone mm-hmm. used to go, how come your blade doesn't fall on your fingers? Which they used to all the time. I cut my hands up lots as a kid. My grandfather, when I was four years old, gave me my first knife, my first pocket Aww. knife. And he told me when I was four years old, keep it sharp, keep it clean, and keep it oiled, and I'll give it to my grandchildren. My grandfather would never have been without a knife because mm-hmm. he used it everywhere. So I had this affinity. I, I love knives and swords. So I've always had an affinity to it. And I think, yes, um, I think if I just liked them and didn't do martial arts, because I've done martial arts my whole life, you know, started Unofficially by 63, by 65, I was officially doing martial arts um, because I'm a little older than some of the people here. Um, (laughs) And when I was in all of the people here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I had some, when they put me in Black Belt's Hall of Fame as weapons instructor, they said, you're not going to believe it, this guy's, you know, older than we thought, and he started with Lyndon Johnson. It just <laughs> taken over. They had to put it that way. They had to put it that yeah, way. And I looked at it. I looked at Kennedy and went, "That's a great way to put it. Thanks. Make that me is. feel like I'm really old." You know, my that daughter is. always goes, "Dad, you're a dinosaur," because you know I, I was born in '53, and I tell people I grew up in the late '50s, and they're like, "You did, sir? You look like you're 40 something." Yeah, that's real nice. You know, I'm over 60. Thank you very much. But you um, do. You know, you do. I, it's, it's a it's a compliment. <laughs> it's all those yeah, years of training. But that's, yeah. And the training and my love of it helped me and look at the styles of it, actually using it. And, you know, spending time with the museum curators about how does it work, going for recreation people, that all added to me wanting to have real pools. Plus, like I said, I used them. I carried knives. Um, my dad was an artist. So we used knives. You guys have all used mat knives, right? Utility knives? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A utility mm-hmm. knife, you know, has, you know, so the blade, that's technically what we call a Warncliffe blade, you know, the, the the tip is on the same line as the edge. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've all used them where you start right. going, and the tip wears off, and you can't get to the to the sharp part. So what do we yeah. do? We open it up, we flip it out, put the new triangular piece sticking out, and we cut till it's done. And then what do you do? Well, you throw the blade away, 
Well, my dad and all his artist buddies would put it in a vise and snap the two ends off, and you'd have a center, like a regular razor piece, and they'd make it into a scraper using a different kind of cutter. Mm-hmm. And I used to look at it and go, what an inefficient design. So when people show me worn clips, and we used to have them on boats, I'm like, that's mm-hmm. really stupid. But all of my training... And the fact that I like to cut things and I worked in a kitchen and I've cooked my whole life really taught me a lot about actual application. Because people look at my knives and go, what's different about your design? I make real use tools. Mm-hmm. It may not be pretty. I personally happen to like the way my knives are. Um, they may not be the most attractive to people, but they will not come out of your hand. You can hold them just with two fingers and you cannot rip it out of your hand. And my blades mm-hmm. cut. The shape of my blades are designed to actually cut things. The mm-hmm. idea of the fact that I have the ramp, part of that is old Filipino from the old Chris's and from some of the old blades where that was actually to protect your hand from someone else coming at you because it would slide mm-hmm. up and you're hidden behind the, the ramp. And the ramp on a lot of things, you know, they show them and people do it improperly. The ramp is down, but in real Filipino Chris's, the ramp is on the top side mm-hmm. protecting your mm-hmm. thumb and your back hand. Um, and, you know, my kinetic opening, which obviously got us into a whole different realm, and we <laughs> touch that for right now. Um, for right now. Because as a kid, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, my grandfather, um, one of them used to <clears throat> go play with his buddies down in the subway all the time. You know, they'd sit there and play cards and mm-hmm. everything. And you had to go through the subway, you know, the turnstile. And they'd give me a pile of tokens. I was a little kid, you know, a token was like half a penny. And I put it in there, keep pushing, because I knew the faster you pushed it, it wouldn't hit me in the butt. And, of course, the faster you push one of those, it hits you in the butt anyways, because it moves really yeah. fast. And I liked the idea. And then from there, my first pistol that they gave me um, that I got, because Remington and uh, Sturm Ruger were around the corner from us, where I grew up, was I had, you know, a, a single-action twenty two. And people mm-hmm. always laugh in the, about cowboy standing stuff, but the idea was I shoot it, my hand, they used my palm to just pull that, the hammer back. I shoot, I pull the hammer back. It wasn't just a game. It wasn't just for the movies. It was a real easy way. Instead of using your thumb and cranking it back, you know, you, you're rolling your hand over the back all the time to pull that hammer back. Mm-hmm. And as I realized some of this stuff, that's when I came up with the ramp and, you know, kinetic opening that I come up, touch it, and, you know, if I can touch you, the knife opens. Mm-hmm. And so I could, you know, the idea of almost the ballet song idea of non-lethal, less than lethal, you know, doing pinching, then I open it lethal and I can shut it back down again. So conceptually, mm-hmm. all of my tools work like a ballet song, except you don't have to spin them. And the fact that I do non-lethal and hammer on you, do good thing maneuvers, take care of your limbs. If I need to, I can, because of the ramp, open the blade partially and do little snip cuts on you. You still don't mm-hmm. get it. I pop it open on you. I mean lethal force mode and cutting mode, and if I realize you're actually complying and get it, I can shut it right back down in the flow to an impact tool. So my ramp was based on the Filipino ramps, on ideas of using it, of the stuff I got from my grandfather, and stuff of a turnstile. One of my students actually, in the front of his school for me, Roy um, Harrington, has a turnstile. He put it there for me. He walk upstairs Aww. and push on the turnstile, so all the students go... That's what gave Grandmaster Bram the idea. And I'm always like, yep, that's Bram's turnstile right there. Bram's turnstile. And, you know, wow. I, I want to say this for the listeners. Listeners, you know, if if you've never seen one of Bram's knives, look it up. I mean, you know, 
the there, there's a the, Bob, look it up because Ram has a, a series called the Gunting series, and these knives are badass. I I I, I have to buy one because these are badass. You can do everything. With these knives, the design, I mean, the design is incredible. And so kudos to you, Bram, for for the design Thank of the you. Gunting series and all your knives because you can use this knife for everything. You can take it fishing. You can, like, unscrew yep. things. Or you can use it as a screwdriver. You can hit yep, people. My guys have to on Broadway them. use it. Yeah. yeah. My guys on Broadway I, told me it's the best portable tool they ever had. And a couple of my guys from out your way, they use it as a fishing tool because clothes, they use the ramp to descale the fish. When yeah. they pop the blade open, they run their finger over the top of the ramp, and mm-hmm. they use it to do fillet work. And a couple of my guys who are big hunters, they use it by holding on to the ramp, and they use it as a skinning tool. They tell me it's the best hunting and skinning tool. It's a good tactical tool. Because you can use yeah. the ramp, like the pop over yeah. those idiot soda can, rings, so you don't break yeah. your nails and everything. Yeah, it's um, great. The, it's, it's just amazing. And the, and the design of the blade itself, along with the ramp, is is just incredible. So, Bob, look it up. Listeners, look it up. Because <laughs> you, cool. you yeah. must. If well, you're a like knife indexing. carrier, you must have one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's the word I'm well, looking for. Like like, what was the word you know, I'm looking for? Yeah, indexing. Everyone used to look and go, where's the indexing point? Remember, we'd all take knives try to find where's the balance to spin from forward to reverse grip. Knives would fly all over the place. And I went, right. we all look for a point, and there's actually only one on a knife because it has to be able to clear your hand as it goes. And mm-hmm. so on even my training knives I made for Remy, the wood ones, I started drilling holes into them and dimples and going, ah, that's the point. People said, what's that? And I said, that's the real indexing point because otherwise it cannot clear your hand. So it's got to be down by the butt. Mm-hmm. It's got to be just about an inch, inch and a half off the butt because that's enough space. So I'm sitting in a restaurant, and I used to twirl and play with the silverware. And while I'm twirling and playing with the silverware, my wife, you know, of course I'm playing with the knife. I'm spinning it. I'm twirling it, passing it hand to hand. She slaps my hand, looks at the the waitress, goes, take this off the table. So I start spinning Mm -hmm. the fork, and she glares at me, and they take the fork away. So I'm getting bored, so I pick up the spoon. And I go to spin the spoon, and I realize it won't do what I want mm-hmm. because you, you, every spoon is a little different, and the damn thing keeps pulling me to its deepest point, however mm. it's shaped. I can't beat the shape of the spoon, and I'm looking at that and went, wow, if I had a spoon on the knife, it would pull me to the indexing point, and I couldn't lose it. So now, mm-hmm. if you look at most knife clips, they all have these weird bends and a little prong at the end because yeah. they had to get a dip to hold it against your pocket. I had mm-hmm. the first flat clip because I made it a spoon. Yeah, the it's like I'm looking. Is underneath. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at the backside of uh, one of the yeah. guntings, and it's you know the first thing that I noticed when I first looked at your knives because I remember you sent me um, um, pictures of uh, of a set. Um, like last right. year or something like that, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, would you look at the clip on this thing? And it 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 is, you guys. It's a spoon, basically. Well, it, it's it's indexed in, yeah, as it, you know, a like spoon. a spoon. Yeah. And it, you know, and the design is incredible. I'm like, you know, look at that. It's flat. You can hold it in your hand yeah. and use it like a pair of brass knuckles. Well, when then that ramp, <laughs> you yeah. can shove that in somebody's eyeball. Yeah. And it's a it's incredible. 
functional ergonomic. That's the other word I was looking for, ergonomic design. Right. And, ergonomic and I was like, yeah, and I'm like, look at this belt clip. It's it's incredible. Bob, have you looked it up well, yet? Well, you know what happens on it? Not, not yet. <laughs> if you pull, you know, your finger follows. That's why it starts narrow and gets deep because the spoon's uh-huh. on me. As you slide your finger on it, it automatically slides to the deep part of the spoon. Yeah. And you can either use the indexing point on the other side directly across from it, or on my new ones that have dual indexing, you pop right to the bottom ones. But the, the oh. clip, which was the first clip with a function in it, it helps you slide right down to where you have to be. On my fixed blades, I actually cut, I have a groove. It starts out very small, gets wider and wider, till it gets to the big circle, and you slide right to it. And I've used mm-hmm. ball bearings, single bearings. And, you know, that was part of my discussion with a nameless party. Ooh. <laughs> no, I can do that. Well, I know you can, but you may not because, see, the concept of indexing, I didn't make that up. We all used to talk about that. But actually putting a hole there, my first knife design, the, the escalator, the guy didn't like mm-hmm. the idea of gunting. I was telling him gunting meant escalation of force. And he goes, let's call it the escalator. I'm like, what? So that's how the first mm-hmm. one was named the escalator. But, mm-hmm. you know, people looked at the index and stuff and looked at the ramp. And now mm-hmm. the ramp back then, which you'll get this because you've read all those idiot comments. Mm-hmm. Would you believe it had no thumb stud, no disc or anything? Because oh, way back then, years before that man even knew what a knife was, you pushed on the side of the ramp. Mm-hmm. It was roughed up so that you did, oh, that's right, side ramp opening. Mister, mm-hmm. I cut grooves. So see, uh, you put your finger there, and there's no stud or anything. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this guy looked yeah. at my knives and said, <laughs> "You know, get rid of the ramp, get rid of the indexing, and that weird shape, and uh, you might have a nice knife." And I'm like, Joyce Lightery of Spiderco was a very dear friend. She's come to me many times over the years. And goes, you realize you've outlived your detractors. Mm-hmm. You know, the number of years I spent in the knife world designing knives, the people who didn't like the stuff, they're gone. People yeah. use indexing. People use kinetic opening. And hopefully, now that I got my lock out there, people will license the lock because that's another thing. You know, your your tires, if you have bad tires, your car's not going anywhere. Your tires are more important than people think. It's like if you don't have good shoes or good sneakers, your feet don't last very long. Well, on a knife, the lock is actually really a paramount thing because all you've got to lose on a folding knife is your fingers. So mm-hmm. if it fails, you're going to lose your fingers. So I looked at all these things, and my lock is a dovetail joint or a puzzle piece. It slides inside the back of the blade, making it a solid piece. Mm-hmm. So... And, you know, my dad used to, you know, he was an artist and did woodworking as well on the side, and I was always thought dovetail joints, you know, they can only go in one way. they got to go right. out the way they came right. in. And once they're together, you don't need glue, and it becomes a, like a solid piece of wood. That's how mm-hmm. old palaces are built. And my mom and her friends used mm-hmm. to do puzzles when I was little. You know, and expensive puzzles are bevel cut. You know, you, you put them in. She used to go nuts when I'd flip them over, do them from the non-color side because they'd rip all the paper off and, ruin the bevel. I didn't get it back then. And when she, I finally figured it out. I went, ah. And, you know, and you can, people hang them up because they won't come apart. You know, they put them mm-hmm. in frames and do everything. And old palaces and stuff are built with dovetail joints mm-hmm. and puzzle piece stones. So, they, you know, there's no mortar. There's no space between them. And I looked at all that and went, 
if you can make solid pieces of wood and you can make stone, why can't they do it and make a solid piece of steel? Mm-hmm. So incredible. It actually moves the the liner piece, the locking liner part, slides inside the blade and becomes a solid piece with the blade. Mm-hmm. And matches wow. up, and it can only come out the same way. And so, what are you doing? I said, well, because I actually turn it, I flip my knives around, and I in forward or reverse grip, I trap with it. And the Marine mm-hmm. Corps bought runs of them because they couldn't break it. The lock is basically Marine Corps approved. It's used by the recon and the PSD teams. You know, and mm-hmm. um, West Austin, the article for tactical knives, and went, we all joked about the fact if a jarhead can't break it, nobody can. You know? That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and that's Absolutely what you want. Absolutely awesome. Because, you know, and I designed tactical bolos. You know, I have Remy's old ones that they did, and I have his family maker making them for my students. And I looked and said, can you make me one without an edge? You know, and these, these bolo makers in the Philippines mm-hmm. went, excuse me? said, well, I, I need to have one for training. They said, you want us to make you a real bolo but not grind the edge on I said, yeah, you need to run the tip off. <laughs> and when they finally got it, they realized they get to sell twice as much product because everybody wants yeah. a matching training bolo, and we spend more time with our trainers than we ever do with a live one. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And when I, I'm considered the father of the modern functional training drone because when I first had my first functional knife made, I said, you got to make me a matching trainer. And they went, uh, you know, that's going to probably cost more than a knife because you want to take all this abuse. And I said, and? Because well, who the <laughs> hell's going to buy a training knife? And I went, any of us who were serious, we hope to God we never have to use our live blade, except for cutting paper or whatever, or cutting fruit. Right. But we're really hoping we never really have to cut anybody. And I'm going to spend all my hours. I might as well have an exact duplicate that does the same things and functions. So I made the first ones with Raycat. When I went to Spyderco, we sold them as sets, and that's when the good things came out. And I actually turned the Indelica, the Indura and the Delica and produced the first trainers of those because I'm a firearms guy, and you'll appreciate this. All trainers are red, just like red guns. They can't fire. Right on. Blue, right on. like my the uh, Crip tool. It's like a Glock mm-hmm. ammunition gun. It's a working tool. It's not a safe trainer. It's an actual tool, and any mm-hmm. other color is live. And I was at the big Ewa show, and Glock Booth was across from us, and Gaston came over, saw the three colors, and the first three colors at Spyderco, said, mm-hmm. you know, this is done for safety. And I said, sir, absolutely, I'm, I believe it. Firearms guy, you know, right. red is a safe trainer, blue is a working tool like your sim gun, black one is live. I said, or any other color, but yeah, we got black ones. And he went, cool. And for years, I've been trying to get the knife world to accept universal firearm safety colors, because... That that's an easier thing to do. Yeah, definitely. No and, mistakes you know, when you're training. I you know I hate to cut us off right here because I can talk Me to too. you for like hours, but we're heading at the very end of our two hour mark, and we're going to go off the air. It's going to pop know, me I, off the air. He needs to come to the Masters Hall of Fame this year. You know, well, you know, I I, I, I tried to nominate him and he can't go. <laughs> this oh, year. that's like a blade show. I'm sorry. Darren wanted me at the last one. You know, Darren to oh, Darren really wanted Tabone, me. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was in the Philippines. I right. was with a young lady and also celebrating my birthday in the Philippines. Woo-hoo. And then this year, I and I have to be at the Blade Show. So we got to put her up till next year. I'm really sorry. Yeah. That's all right. But you can have That's me back right. on the show. You can have yeah, me back got, on the show. We can have part two bet. or three, you know. I want a part two, definitely. 
Definitely. However many Definitely. parts we can get. I could, me and Bob, like, talking, we could talk blades, like, you know, we're, I'm, I'm just sitting here going, ooh, tell me more, tell me more. But, like, definitely, let's have a part two. Definitely. And uh, I'll keep you in okay. mind for nomination for next year for the Masters Hall of Fame. That'll be awesome. You are so sweet. Thank you, dear. Oh, I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much Look, for I joining us. Look, I went this whole time, and I didn't mention. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I didn't mention the guy's name the whole show. <laughs> maybe part two. I don't know, because that was part two. Kind of yeah, part two. Yeah. All yeah. right. Thank you so much, Bram, and thank you, listeners, for listening all about Bleed with Grandmaster Bram Frank. So keep tuned in for a part two, and there will be no live show next week because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Go Hawks. We'll see everyone in two weeks cool. with Master Bob okay. White. We'll see everyone then. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.